Hello, you're listening to the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. I'm Ian Kyo, and today I'm talking to Brian Crowley, an entrepreneur, a business mentor, and once upon a time, a champion boxer. Brian, you're very welcome. Thanks, Ian. Now, we're going to talk about seven key lessons that you've picked up along your career in business. Before we get there, you might just explain to our listeners about your business, TTM Healthcare, and your current role with Broadlake. Sure, Ian. So I founded uh, TTM Healthcare uh, about 17 years ago now. It's a lifetime ago at this stage. Um, it's a healthcare recruitment company. Um, we supply staff, both uh, contingent workforces as well as permanent staff to healthcare employers, permanent and private, here in Ireland, in the UK and in the Middle East. Um, we also have a healthcare services business, uh, Resilience Healthcare. Um, in that business, we provide services directly to customers as opposed to just supplying the staff. So we have about nine residential care homes for children and adults with uh, intellectual disabilities right across the country. And we also have a complex home care business um, where we work with both children and adults um, who have very complex medical needs. Um, what we try and do is try and take people from their hospital bed to home and then we provide a kind of a hospital in the home service. So we're looking to have about 500 permanent staff working 500. first. 500, Ian, yeah, right across. Big number. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, great people. Um, from one to 500, it's been a fantastic journey um, and we also have um, a, a, a couple of thousand contractors that would work for us um, every as, day as on, required correct across customer sites in the UK and Ireland yeah. but you've recently I suppose that's the company you founded yeah. that's your baby but you've mm. kind of stepped into a different role in recent times yeah yeah I was lucky enough uh, a couple of months ago well I was even luckier three years ago to, to come across Pete Smith uh, the CEO in Broadlake um, when Broadlake invested in us um, but a couple of months ago we made a decision um, where I would take over a chief operations officer role within Broadlake and um it's been really exciting. I've loved it. Um, and have you had to step back a lot from... Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, it's as depressing as it sounds since I, I stepped back, um, Paula and Laura, who are the two MDs in the business I founded, um, I think profits have gone up by about 40%, and so I think every founder should get out of the way quickly with profits <laughs> like that. So, um, so yeah, it's 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 been great. Um, I've been working with uh, other other companies within the Broadlake portfolio, um, working with fantastic managing directors and, and founders, and and, and indeed the core team within Broadlick itself. So it, 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 what you have, I suppose, is a very rounded experience then of mm. setting up a business, as you said, yourself yeah. and a phone book and trying to get out there to building it to growing staff numbers mm. and seeing it on the other side now, kind mm. of working with other company founders. Mm. What we want to do here is kind of go through some of the lessons sure. and the advice and things that you've come across, mistakes that you've made over the years. And we've yeah. talked about this before. But the first thing I want to touch upon is this idea of understanding your operating model. Because yeah. an awful lot of people set up businesses mm -hmm. and they do things without ever understanding, why am I doing it? Absolutely. I th you know, three three of the, the, the key areas we look at um, within Broadlake are, are tracks, talent and culture. Um, tracks are that are we absolutely sure that everybody and every team knows exactly what's required of them and the purpose that they fulfill within the organisation? Um, I found, and I just give you a sense of, of my journey on operating model, um, about two years ago, um, I decided um, in a, a kind of a walking in, in other people's shoes scenario, I would work in, in every department across our business. 
So I spent all time, of them. Yeah, every one of them. So I spent a day in credit control. I, I'm schizophrenic about cashing, so I spent a full day in credit control, uh, chasing money, which was which was interesting. Spent time in in sales. I, I did a sales call, and the entire sales floor went quiet while I made it, <laughs> which was great. I, they teed up an easy one for me, so I actually made made a sale well, that morning. I hope you closed it. I hope you closed it. <laughs> um, but what's interesting about that journey is that I got to work in every department. So I got a sense of how they all link together. I got a sense of the people. Um, when you scale a business, it tends to be almost layered in. You know, you, you, you grow, you scale, you layer, you grow, you scale, you layer. The problem is if you don't go back and go back and take a look at those layers, you, you get surprised. Inefficiencies come in, um, uh, un- misunderstandings come in, lack of, 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 of clarity is a big mistake a lot of companies make. make. And, you know, I learned how good things are in, in, across the business. Uh, I learned how fantastic the talent that work for us are across the business. But I also learned things that we could have done better. I also learned about the, the connections between each of the departments. And I think one of the, the, the mistakes companies make is as they grow, they bulk and you've got to take time to go and understand your operating model. And I, I would say after that, I went to such a stage as to map it. So, because I know at some like stage physically draw it out. Correct. So to map from 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 entry to exit. So from in the recruitment company, from from uh, attracting to placing in, in our healthcare business, from identifying uh, our property from a from a residential care perspective, to fit out to our first service user entering it. How how do we th- do things? What is the way we do things in in TTM or in resilience? Um, because you may have to go back and do it again. You know, and you know you need to know where the nuts and bolts are if you need to re-engineer. Um, I think you know a recession isn't a million miles away. I imagine, Ian. So well, depending need to be, on who you talk yeah. to, we could already be in one. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the the UK went in, and I think it was a Q2. They went into recession. They popped back out in Q3. Um, in the I, mood music in the states is all. But yeah, but correct. But there's always a recession yes, coming down yes. the line anyway. But you need when things get tough. When things get lean, you need to understand your business intimately, uh, regardless of how big or small the business is. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I'm really interested in your story is this idea of managing and driving growth. Yeah. Because, you know, people start talking and say, I have a small business, I'm going to turn it into a big business. But that doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen, you know, sometimes it can happen too quickly, sometimes mm. it can happen too slowly, but there's lots of different challenges in that journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've been through it from, from, from one to, to 500, you know. From, which, which, actually, yeah. just on that, which was yeah. the, presumably your hardest hire was number two, was it? Or, um, what a great question. Um, the, the, hardest, the hardest hire, crikey. Um, I, think, I think it's easy early on because you're not thinking it through. Um, uh, ironically um, but it's probably if you took a, a, a more mature look at it it's probably harder early on if you if you take your time but you know one thing that I and I'm only about again talent it's so obvious it's criminal you know when it comes to talent it, it really is Ian I mean and I'm probably only three years into a stage of understanding just how important talent is Um um, in terms of how you grow an organisation, um, in terms of how you scale an organisation, if you don't have the right people, you simply can't scale. But in terms of challenges, I think there are differences, differences, small to medium, medium to large. Um, I think when you're small, 
I think it's sales, sales, sales. Sorry to be so crass about it, but sales will forgive almost every ill when you're small. Sales equals income. Correct, correct. You know, you know, you, income you, you, masks a lot. Sell, collect the cash, grow again. Um, and it will. Now, when you get bigger, sales does hide cracks. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I would caution organisations uh, that they keep an eye on those cracks as, as companies scale. But I think from, from a small to medium stage, it certainly is scale. It certainly is getting the right people on the bus. Um, medium to large it gets to a stage and certainly that that I went through if you could I think if you picture in your mind's eye a, a, a curve and, and you're, you're looking at an organisation scaling and the line is, 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 is the trajectory is upwards then an organisation very quickly has to put overhead in it very quickly has to get sophisticated in HR it gets sophisticated in finance in facilities um, in training and development and all of a sudden that profit curve begins to just just to flatten a little bit okay and if you've invested so much sometimes it can start to go the opposite direction you then go into what's called a little valley of death <laughs> so you have now geared your business up to a place where it can handle growth but the problem is you put a lot of cost on yourself so you either get that through your being more efficient through driving sales harder to get that curve back up again the problem is with a lot of businesses Ian is they get caught in that valley of death and they never come out so what I would say and it's down to kind of an operational gearing metric almost is that you you grow, you add the overhead at the right time to support that growth and build a foundation. You rescale again, you add more overhead again in terms of trying to manage that growth. But be very careful at the pace and the triggers that you use. And I've been through it a couple it's, of times. It's, yeah. it's cash though. Yeah. To manage yeah. that process, you know. Absolutely. Cash is like oxygen. You run out of cash, you're dead. Run out of oxygen, you're dead. Um so I I, I can I would have if if I if I go back to my own scaling scaling years and we're we're still in them obviously in, but we would have looked at, you know, the component parts of, of scaling. So when we scale, the cash demand is X. If we scale even faster, the cash demand is Y. So a good finance partner during that period and a, and a, and a good honest bank manager is really useful where you can have good conversations with them as to, listen, this is where I think I'm going. Um, I'm going to hit it. And then in leaner times, listen, this is where it is now. Here's where I'm going to get to next and they'll support you again. So, the, I mean, the key, the key thing is, is manage that growth very carefully. And the founder sometimes, when you're scaling, can take his eye off the sales and, and the scale because he's trying to be, he or she is trying to build the foundation. That also can be very dangerous. So I would say the most dangerous part for any organization is almost that medium stage. So you come out of the small, small business stage, you've got a lot of staff, you've got a lot, you're generating, the, the moving parts are getting more complex. You're putting in overhead. Just be careful. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I suppose you mentioned something there during the lean times you have to do this, but I suppose you mentioned about the economy, it's up and it's down. I mean, what your business did, you managed to take advantage of the recession. Yeah. And very few businesses have done that. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the two things I'd say to that. I think the 02 to 07, 08, 08 stage, when, when the entire country, Ian, was was flying it, um, I was not. Uh, so um, let, let's just say for... for, for really? I, I, yeah, yeah. So it took us... Now, I, I felt a little bit better about myself when someone gave me the analogy of the bamboo tree that apparently spends five years underneath the surface and then eventually bursts through the surface and grows 180 feet in five weeks. So that's kept me sane since because I'm comparing myself to a bamboo tree. But 02 to 07, we grew very, very slowly. I mean, it took us maybe from 02 to 08, we got to maybe a million euros in, in revenue. And then from 08 to 10, we went from 1 to 14. 
by 2014 we went to 40 and this year we'll be somewhere in the 95 million mark so that wow. gives you a sense of, of the trajectory I think the bamboo analogy is great within yeah. that context yeah. but it just shows there's no such thing as that overnight success as well no no and, and it's funny I, I was at a conference recently um, I think it was the, the Welsh Fast 50 um, and they talk about organisations that for some reason that four year to six year stage is when a lot of organisations seem to take off um, but I would say you know in, in, in terms of in terms of the, the financial crisis in in 08 there's a couple of things that we did um you know i think there's a lot of luck in business i think as arnold palmer says the hardware train the luckier i get but i think um we did a few things in 08 one thing i noticed was in 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 the lean times um people were really keen to get a hold on costs and, and understand their costs and recruitment companies at that stage tended to have very differing pricing levels depending on time of day or night um, demand which economically you could appreciate but one thing I made a decision to do was as we began to supply contingent workforces I fixed the price so customers could understand and would know exactly what they want to be charged absolutely and secondly what we did was we were dealing in an area at the time which was which, which was quite delicate. Um, we was children in care of the state um, who would have quite a lot of behaviours that would challenge and could be quite aggressive. So staff had to be on shift because it could be quite dangerous for both the child themselves as well as the staff. So what we did is we strategically located staff in various parts of the country that we paid to sit at home. And we guaranteed our customers that we would within an hour supply a staff supply a member of staff if they if they needed somebody um, so we, we decided we'd trial it and hope it would work it did it was brave it was brave and like you know listen I think from a from a sales pitch perspective it was certainly a door opener and invariably somebody got called so we were very rarely we had somebody sitting at home and, and, and earning money nearly always they were called out the agreement with the staff member was you can sit at home but if you get a call you have to go you have you know? to go so that was a real trigger for growth for a scene and, and as I said said, you know, from, from, from 08 to, to 10, we scaled very, very rapidly. Yeah. Mm. I suppose the next part of your journey is something an awful lot of companies and founders get into. It's this idea of when do you sell a bit of the business? Mm. When do you bring in equity? Yeah. And how do you find the right partner to do it? Exactly. You know, in one side, it's great. I've sold. There's a bit of equity mm. for me. I can do something else. But on the other hand, you're selling a little bit of your own child as well. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think a, a lot of really successful companies and, and founders are are a little bit pa- paranoid, in about about selling equity, you know, and uh, I, I understand that. I, I do. I, I, I would have said I would have said prior to meeting Pete, that's how I would have felt. Um, but I think if if when you look at scaling an organization, um, when you look at the sophistication through which you want to scale it through, when you look at an eventual exit, the kind of expertise that 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 private investment, private equity uh, partners can bring to the table is 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 immense. Um, I think in terms of you know brand, in terms of company shape, in terms of growth, in terms of talent, you know founders can do fantastic things, but private equity can bring something that something that bit different. And I've been it's fascinated by external it. view though of, yeah. of looking at it and saying, but why don't you do it that way? Yeah, well, they, they, in fairness, I, I think I think the choice of partner is important. Yeah. Um, I know that that's that's fairly obvious, but you know I think. I think the the desire of the founder, he or she needs to be very clear on what what they want to achieve, um, how far they want to bring the business, um, if they want to exit, what the number is, and I would say, small, medium, or large is that that number is important. Um, that number shouldn't move. Um, I found as you grow, sometimes you get a little bit more uh, giggly, and uh, you want that number to grow a bit more. But I would say be 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 careful, be clear. 
One thing I would say as well, though, Ian, about since I've moved over to the dark side, for want of a better phrase, um, and, and working with, a, with an investment company is I've got to see it from their perspective a lot more in the last kind of six months to a year. And what's really interesting is that, you know, having now worked on both sides of the table, I, I do get it. I think, you know, when when you're meeting an organisation maybe for a day or two a month and you're not there for the other 28, 29 days, it's important that they get a really clear picture as to what's going on. That It's important that there's a, a, an understanding of, you know, how people are feeling, what's the bounce like, what's the pulse like, how are things going. The numbers don't tell you everything. You know, you could be having a fantastically profitable month, but people could be absolutely depressed. Um, that's then therefore not a good month. So, you know, the, the kind of information you need from organisations, and I would say founders and companies out there dealing, dealing with private equity, Put yourself in their shoes from time to time to understand, I'm going to see this business for a day or two days. What would I want to know? And how can I help if, if you're in their shoes? So having now seen both sides of the table, I can now see it very clearly from yeah. both sides. Another point that you've raised, and it's, it's really interesting because I have this image in my head of you on the phone as mm. you were doing your walking through the various yeah. the various parts of the business, almost like Leonardo DiCaprio <laughs> and the Wolf of Wall Street on the phone trying to close a deal. Absolutely. But it's this idea of listening. Yeah. actually listening to customers and yeah. it seems so obvious yeah. but so many people just don't do it absolutely and you know I would I would say you know I, I still do and will continue to meet customers Ian um, I think it's a fantastic way to understand a lot about your business by going to meet with customers uh, getting a, a, a chance to walk in their shoes um, there's a massive opportunity to to, to identify opportunities with meeting with customers fantastic opportunity to get a, a sense of what your staff are working with and what the challenges are for them in dealing with customers and you might even and understand that if, if staff has continual problems you'll get a sense absolutely absolutely and I you know I think I think a lot of the time as well is is you know there's Jeff Bezos in in, in Amazon um, I understand he leaves a chair free in every meeting he sits in um, for the customer so there's obviously the, the 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 chair remains vacant for the entire meeting, but he would constantly refer to what would the customer think of that, um, what would the customer's view of that be? I think that's just tells you how much Amazon you know you know treasure a customer and how much the worth they put on it. I think as well, you know, one thing I've I've become a, a really big fan on in trying to get people excited about the 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 importance of customer is looking at lifetime value. Um, you know, everybody looks at a customer in a transaction sense. There's I, there's some money, there's the check, get the oh, invoice, whatever. Absolutely. But it's if you can build that relationship. Oh my god! I mean, it, uh, I think they say statistically it costs five times more to gain to gain a new customer than to retain one. But you look if you get organisations, regardless of their size, and to look at their customer base and understand. Okay, I will hold a customer on average for two years, five years, ten years. Work out the value of that for two, five, ten years, and then tell me how much you love your customer. You know. Yeah, no, it's it's a it's it's a great point. And the other people you have to love are your staff. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. We, you've talked about it before about hiring this thing, mm. but I mean, they're a core component of what you want to do. Absolutely. And again, I I, I have to I have to confess, I'm I'm late I'm late to the party. Um, Why was that? Well, I was in the early years. It was it was it Lord Cardigan was the the charge of the light brigade, you know, and you know how that ended and not very well. Um, you know, I I was that kind of leader you know trust me beat my chest run as fast as I can and sure you'll follow me and that just doesn't work 
and especially not now. I mean, we have a new workforce, a new breed now of, of, of workforce who want to know what's in it for them. They want to know, do they do they trust you? They want to know, can they come with you? Do, you know, are your values... And to see the future. Absolutely. And that value. A hundred percent. And so that old swashbuckling leader doesn't survive anymore. Um, so from a talent perspective, um, I would spend, I would say... Four, five fold more time now on talent than I would have in the early years. In literally, we I would spend more time now on talent than I would on numbers. When, and you, say that's talent, a, when you say talent, do you mean attracting in the right or working with what you have, or a combination? A, of both? A combination of that. I mean, you know, we, we're really keen in all our businesses to look at fast tracking systems. Okay, so we want to we want to know in every business how are you identifying talent? Tell us how you identify them. And then, more importantly, tell us how you develop them. Tell us how you bring them up. Tell us how you bring them to the next stage. And we we have a we have a new um, a new initiative in our in our in our portfolio company is called the Top Thirty. Um, it's Pete's brainchild. I wish I could steal it, even but I can't. And it's basically it's it's the top thirty leaders across all our all our companies. And we have a, a phenomenal development development program for those top thirty. Um, we intend to go to the top hundred after that. But this top thirty is about real practical on the job learning. So, you know, you know, we look at we look at the founders in the business like Donald in two four six eight and and, and Pete in, in in Broad Lake and myself. We've been through nearly every dogfight. And we have a sense of, of, of how you get out of one pretty quickly. Um, that with respect to most MBAs, may, you may not learn in them because there's a practical way to deal with things. And we want to look at that. So how do we help our top 30 avoid the mistakes we made? How do we help them take advantage of the good decisions we made? So a lot of the development is about getting out there to the world. You know, one of the things we look at is, is sending all top 30 to get out in the world and take a look at how things are done in other countries so we can learn. What we're most excited about is that these top 30 are running businesses with huge runways ahead of them. And we think they've got the capability to run businesses much larger than they are today. So you're and already that's looking to correct, the future. Correct, future. Correct. Finally, and, and briefly, mm. and because I think it's it's a theme that's gone through the other six things that we've talked about, it's this idea of managing risk. Yeah. You know, whether you're dealing with staff, whether you're dealing with customers, whether you're driving growth, yeah. selling equity to investors, yeah. that's a constant theme throughout every business I, journey. I would say, and uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur, um, Ian, I would say I could not think of a more boring subject than risk. I, I appreciate it. it. It is. But and the frame of mind needed to deal with and to discuss risk is, is important. And I cannot tell you, small, medium or large, how important managing risk is. Um, and not a lot of companies do it at the level they should. And that's why you get the, the horror stories, unfortunately, when companies hit the wall. Um, and every size business has different risks they need to be conscious of. Um, I find in smaller companies, customer concentration is a is a real risk, um, where it's brilliant and you're you're growing alongside a fantastic partner as a customer, but a change in management yeah, the lights or, can be switched absolutely out. within seconds and 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 your business is is, is gone overnight. Yeah, it's almost like you need a complete risk register. Correct, correct. You know, and obviously we talked about earlier about things like you know you know um, credit control and cash and the, the importance of cash for, as companies scale. I would say even now, you know, you know, when we look at investment proposals within our current portfolio, you know, we would look at we'd look at two or three different things. So we'd first of all look at at, at now listen, we'd get reams of market analysis, we'd get reams of information, reams of background. But really one of the most important ones we look at risk. We look at downside as much as upside. So what is the actual risk here? So what is the, the dollar or euro value if this goes wrong, worst case? 
okay? Um, and secondly, we're looking at, okay, what is the um, success factors here? What is the probability of success? And then thirdly, what is the either growth or cash value to the reward side? So therefore, then we're going to get three different calculations. We're going to get risk, we're going to get reward, we're going to get probability. And that gives you a much better insight. So then when you make a call, Ian, you know, you have the market data, you have well, the you're stats. You're tooled up as you're going to be. Correct, correct. And at up. that stage, then you have enough information to apply your experience to be successful. Great. Brian, thanks for joining me. I wish you the very best of luck thanks, in the yeah. new role with Broadlake and also with your, with your business, your child still going out there and still growing. Uh, so, Brian Crowley, thank you very much for joining me here today on the Insights for Entrepreneurs podcast series with KPMG Private Enterprise. A pleasure. Thanks, Ian.